It's Wednesday night, and we are talking about a myriad of of uh, subjects, uh, subjects that seem to be confusing to most people. Uh, we're talking about predestination, particularly predestination versus the will of man. You might call it predestination. versus free will there's no such thing as free will there is self will because that's all a man has man doesn't have anything in him to do right the bible says over there in Romans 3 look at Romans 3 why is it necessary to believe in predestination because there is none that is good there in Romans 3. Romans 3 says, it's talking about between Jew and Gentile, not between adults and children. It's talking about in verse 9, what then are we better than they know in no wise? He's talking about are Jews better than Gentiles? We have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin as it is written over in Psalms 14 and 3 there is none righteous no not one what does that mean it means none is righteous before they come to Christ there is none that understandeth there is none that seeketh after God If nobody seeks God, and they don't, then God's going to have to chase himself, a people down, going to have to chase them down and predestine them. Here's what he has to predestine them to. He has to predestine them to believe. He has to predestine them to faith, which is the same word as believe. Faith is the noun, believe is the verb. Faith is the word P-I-S-T-I-S and believe is P-I-S-T-E-U-O. So God has to find himself a people since none, none seeketh after God. Therefore, you can't seek God out. Anyone that is saved has to be by God's choice. God's choice. We were born. It's speaking of the new birth in John 1. John the first chapter. John 1 13. We are born not of blood nor the word is hyma A-I-M-A and this is an H sound. Hyma is the word blood. And it's plural. And the reason for, to understand it being plural is because the blood comes from the father and the mother. We're not born of plural blood. We're not born of the blood of our father and the blood of our mother. We're born of the blood of Christ, which is one blood. 
<coughs> mother. So, John 1.13, we're born not of the blood of our father and mother. What that means is you cannot inherit salvation. Some people say, my father was a good Christian. That's not going to help you get to eternal life at all. Not of blood, nor of the will, nor of the will of the flesh. You cannot will yourself into the kingdom in this fleshly body. In the sensual man, flesh is the word sarks. Sarks. Sarkikos, S-A-R-K-I-K-O-S, is the word uh, carnal. So this is not a carnal thing that brings you into the kingdom of God. Nor of the will of man nobody can get you into the kingdom but God no man can do anything to get you into the kingdom but of God that word will in John 1.13 is the word thelema thelema means determination man cannot determine his own spiritual birth by walking an aisle by saying I'm going to accept Christ as my savior that's a doctrine that men have falsely taught to the American public since none is willing and nobody will seek God you're only born by whether God wants you or not he has to want you, and it'll be his arbitrary choice. Arbitrary means it's strictly him doing it his way, what he wants to do, and we can't question why God does what he wants to do. And only a few, only a few will be recipients of that will of God. Few is the word oligos, L-I-O-L-I-G-A-S, Holy God, that means a puny number compared to what's been in the world. Puny number. There are about 7 billion people, maybe 7.5 billion people in the world now. And let's just say, you, the Bible says there'll be a multitude around the throne of God. Would you call 200 million people that would be about two-thirds of the United States, maybe maybe a little less than that. Would you call 200 million people a multitude? I would. But what would 200 million be compared to 7.5 billion? Well... Seven and a half, somewhere, how would we write that? Seven, let's just say seven billion. One, seven hundred billion. I'll get it right in a minute. There's 200 million people, but there's around 325 million people in America. Let's just say 200 million are believers. I don't believe there's that many in America. And uh, 700 or 7 billion people 
would be this many people here. There'd be that many people, so let's cross out the... And this is what it would be. It would be two out of every 700 would be believers. I don't believe there's that many people out there. I believe I got that right, didn't I, Mike? Yeah, I think I did. Be two out of 700. Two 700s, that's not very many people. Now, you cannot, whosoever will is not in the Bible. That has been the Baptists sing whosoever will may come that's not even Bible may means you're permitted to come may can means the ability the Bible says nobody has the ability to come to Christ no one now the scripture says we are begotten by the will of God so if you have the will you, the word may doesn't apply. If you have the will, you're commanded to come. If the will is something I put in your heart. The only place you can find whosoever will is in that, is in that 22nd chapter of Revelation. I'm going to say it one more time so you'll understand. It doesn't say whosoever will may come. Here's what it says. We Men have got this thing really messed up. It says, And the Spirit and the Bride, this is 22.17, Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come. Now here, here takes us back to Proverbs 20 and 12. Here, akuo is the word here. And we keep saying this, that hupakuo, A-K-O-U-O, is the word obey. Obey. Now, hupakuo means to hear, hupo, under. Hupo means under. Hear under or to be subordinate. So hupakuo would apply to everyone who hears. Now, I want us to turn over there to, to Proverbs 20 and 12. Now, I haven't finished here. Hold your place in Revelation. Hold your place. Whosoever will is not in the Bible. And it's not even in the invitation. God's not inviting anyone to go to heaven. No one. He's commanding all of his predestinated elect to come because here's what he's done to them. He's given them hearing ears. Look here in Proverbs 20 and verse 12. 20 and 12. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord hath made even both of them. Now, if you can hear, when the Bible says, He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. Let him hear. If you have a hearing ear, then you're one of God's predestinated elect. 
if you can hear the truth, people that are vessels of wrath don't even want to talk about the truth, much less talk about what it is and what it isn't. They don't really care. So let him hear is an imperative command, and you are commanded to hear, and you're commanded to follow Jesus if you can hear. Hear, let him hear is an imperative mood. It's third person singular. Anyone that has an ear to hear, I'm commanding you now hear this. You belong to me. You have to listen. That's the only way you come to Christ. You say, I don't know how I was born again. I don't know if I believe. Or you're wrestling with this. Or you're trying to do what the Lord says. One, another one of the things that people are confused about is preachers that say you have to know you're saved and if you don't know you're saved uh, then you better walk the aisle tonight and make sure of your salvation that is a lie that's like asking a little kid that's three years old how do you know you've been born maybe you haven't been born maybe I'm not your father maybe I'm not your mother if you'll say that to them enough you'll have them crying and they won't even know what you're even talking about you don't have to know you're saved. I've said this before. And where they come up with this, you have to know you're saved. Go over to Second Timothy. This is where they come up with it. This is another confusing thing about these people say you have to know you're saved. Second Timothy. This is their whole crux of the matter. Paul says, well, um, I'm turned to Peter, excuse me. Go to Timothy. Now, Timothy was one of Paul's converts. And Paul says here in verse 10, 2 Timothy 1 and 10. Jesus Christ, well, let's read 9. We have been saved and called, God has called us with a holy calling. It's a holy calling. He calls his children and demands that they come to him. And he's given you a hearing ear, so you will. And that hearing ear is something that you wrestle with your whole life. And the older you get and the longer you live, the more you want to hear and obey Christ. Hearing is obeying. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And the more you hear, the more you want to crucify self and follow Christ. He saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. It says the same thing in Ephesians 1 and 4 he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love it says the same thing in 2 Thessalonians 2.13 we are bound to give all thanks always to God for you brethren beloved of the Lord because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth sanctification and belief is the method that God does sanctification 
Sanctification is a form of the word holy. Or it's a form of the word sanctify. Holy is the word hagios. Sanctify is the word hagiazo, H-A-G-I-A-Z-O. That's the verb form of holy. And sanctification is hagiasmos, H-A-G-I-A-S-M-O-S. H-A-G-I is the stem of the word, and that's what the rest of the word's built on. Holy means to be single, be pure, and God has to purify us with the fire. So when we're called, we're not called just one day, we're called to be sanctified, to be holy, and without blame before God in love in this world, in agape, and agape is walking in the commandments of God, and the longer you live, the more holy you're going to want to walk in the truth. It's by sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Belief is the same word as faith. It's the word it's the word pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S. means to rely on someone else besides yourself. And that's what Paul is saying here. Now, Paul was a, he was a character. He was a, before he was, he came to Christ, he said, I was a Pharisee. You can find this. He said, I was a Pharisee in that second chapter, or the third chapter, of Philippians he said I was a Pharisee I was a of the tribe of Benjamin I was honored above all tribes because Benjamin and Judah was the southern kingdom of Judah and he said I was circumcised the eighth day circumcised and he said my father was a Pharisee my grandfather was Pharisees and that made me a Pharisee. He said, out of all the honors of the world, by counting all these honors, but dung. The word dung is skubalon. S-K-U-S-K-U-B-A-L-O-N. It means just that, dung. Oh, the off uh, shoot of, of Israel, just the, excuse me, the, the brushing away of the rubbish, that's what it means. And that's He said, and everything I accomplished in life was worthless. So he was, but he was murdering Christians. He said, I made havoc of the church. Murdering Christians. He said, I was a murderer. But he said, here's what's happened to me. Here's the only knowing you can have that you're a believer. You have to grow in the faith. That's the only knowing you have. And that's what he says here. He says, But I am now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, whereunto I am appointed. I'm appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. Preacher, apostle, and a teacher. And then he goes on to say, he says, For the which cause I also suffer these things. He's in a prison, in a Roman jail, waiting to be executed when this was written. 
He said, I'm suffering. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. All the Baptists I was raised around say, say, you have to know you're saved. You, that is not what this is talking about. That word know is the word ido. Paul said, I, that's the word see. When these Baptist preachers say, you have to know tonight, they're talking about G-N-O-S-I-S, which is the word science. It means you can know by uh, by scientific means or by seeing the proof uh, out of the book or walking down an aisle. But this word ido means I see who I believed. I see that I'm an apostle and I'm suffering for it. They're trying to kill me. And I used to be one of them going out trying to kill people like me. He said, that's my knowing. Your knowing comes in time. It doesn't come all of a sudden. Does anybody wrestle with knowing you're a believer? (laughs) Well, that just takes time. You don't wrestle with it if you're not a believer. Only believers wrestle with being a believer. That's all. Now, we're talking about things that these preachers are confusing people with. Go back over here. It's not go back to Revelation 22. And we brought this out last week. Let him that heareth say come. And let him that is a thirst come. But if you're thirsty, you're thirsty for the water of life. You're not thirsty for the world. And whosoever will. It doesn't say that in the original text. It says the willing. It says ho thelon. Ho Thelon, T-H-E-L-O-N. And this word Thelon is a form of that word over there in John 1.13. It's a form of Thelema, T-H-E-L-E-M-A. Just It's a form of it. It's in the morphemes of the word shape of Thelema. It says the, the willing. But who's going to be willing those that hear that God has given a hearing ear in Proverbs 20 and 12. You, there's none that seeketh after God. Therefore, God has to give you a hearing ear and then he has to command you, follow me. And when he commands, follow me, you will. It's that simple. You'll be wrestling with what the truth is and you'll realize. You know another reason for knowing you're saved? You begin to recognize what a heathen you are. Does anybody recognize what a heathen they are? (laughs) We all have recognized that. And when we recognize that, you can only recognize what a heathen you are when you have the inner man opposing the outer man. You cannot recognize who you are without God revealing it to you. There's no way. It has to be revealed by God. He has to take the cover off. Now, so it says, The willing, let him take. Take is the word lambano. Lambano means to take hold of. Well, until you're born, you can't take hold of anything. As many as received him. That word received there in John the first chapter, verse 11, 
is the word lambano, but you cannot take hold of God before you're born again. The Bible says that in Isaiah 64 and 7 it says, There is none that calleth upon thy name. This tells you there's no sinner's prayer for salvation. There's none that calleth upon thy name. None prays a sinner's prayer calls on the name of God that stirs up himself. When you read that verse, it's a put down of these preachers that talk about a sinner's prayer. Because there's no sinner's prayer for salvation. They want, Another thing that they confuse, they confuse Romans 10, 13 with a prayer that gets a man saved. And it doesn't. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The next verse tells you the method of salvation. It's not the prayer. How then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? You have to, and if you believe something, you begin to wrestle with doing it. I need to straighten my life up. I need to quit talking the way I talk. I don't need to say this word and this word and that word. And I need to stop my drinking. I need to stop whatever sins I have sleeping around. You're going to come up and say, I have to change my way of thinking. You're going to have to wrestle with it. And you will. All those imperative moods. Any in at the straight gate, enter is an imperative mood. Enter at the straight gate. Enter is the word E-I-S-E-R-C-H-O-M-A-I. It's a construction of ease or ice and ergon. It means to labor, entering, and it is an imperative command and you have to do it if you're a believer. But you won't do it one day. You'll be wrestling with it. You'll be struggling with it. Now, we're talking about all these verses that these preachers have used to confuse people about their salvation. If you have worried about whether you're a believer or not, then you are. You won't be concerned about your salvation if you're not a believer. You'll just say, well, I'm a good enough to get into heaven. I think God will let me in. If you think you deserve to go to hell, then you're in good shape. <laughs> if you think, God won't save me. I'm worthless. I've got such a bad past. Well, <clears throat> then you're a believer. Only God opens up your heart unless you see who you are, but he doesn't open up the heart of unbelievers. Remember that verse over there in the 10th chapter of Luke. Look over back over there. This has more implications than it looks like in the verse. Look here. Luke 10. All right. Luke 10. Here in verse 21. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit, said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent of this world. Prudent means men who are looking out for themselves, and they're wise in this world, and God hides himself from those people. 
and has revealed them unto babes. We are babes in Christ when he opens up our eyes to him. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father. This is Jesus talking. And no man knoweth who the Son is but the Father. And who the Father is but the Son. And one other person knows who the Son and the Father is. And he to whom the Son will reveal him. The only people that know God and know the Son are the ones that God will apocalypto. That is the word reveal. It means to remove apo, the calypto. And that means cover. When God removes the cover and shines his light into our hearts, then we realize what slug sinners we are and we're okay. Because nobody is good enough to say, I am good. I don't care what you've done. I've had people say, I can't come to your church. I'm just a very evil person. Well, that's an excuse because if you really believe God, you want a fellowship with the people of God. And this message that I preach is to God's elect. We're elected to obey God. We're elected to obedience and the sprinkling of blood in 1 Peter 1 and 2. The obedience is that word when we obey, we hupakuo. We begin to be subordinate to the laws of God and what he says. So, we're talking about all these confusing things that preachers preach. They say, whosoever will may come. That's not true. Nobody has the will to come except those that God puts the will in their heart and there's no may to it. If God puts the will in your heart, he commands you to come. When he says, come, the Spirit says, come, that's an imperative command. These are, God's people have to come to him. Now, let's go back to one of the confusing verses that confuses people that we talked about last week. Let's go back to John three, sixteen. John, the third chapter. I gave you a paper last week. And I showed you that whosoever will is not in the Bible. Huh? Yeah, I've got a got it on here. I forgot about this. Sometimes I forget what I've got. All right. I'll get it in a minute. All right. Is that the? That's it right here. Huh? No, that's all right. Uh, I may stay there, may not. Now, this is John three sixteen, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The Bible doesn't say whosoever; it says pos ho, the all believing. It's the is ho. It's masculine gender singular. There's one. Believing, pistuon, that's a form of the word believe, P-I-S-T-E-U-O-N, P-I-S-T-E-U-O-N. There's one, each one of these words is singular masculine gender, 
Paschopistuon, that they believing all in Christ will have everlasting life. It doesn't say, anytime you say whosoever, people get it in their heads that will follows that and it doesn't follow it. It's just the believing all will have everlasting life. We got to go back to the first part of this verse. The Bible doesn't say not only that whosoever believes in him, it doesn't say God loved all the world. It does not say that. Let's go back to John 3 and 16. Now, here's what it says. It says in the original text, I'll get over in a minute. Hold on a minute. All right. It says in the original text, I'm trying to show you where whosoever will is not in the Bible. It's just not there. All right. For God so loved the world. It says so loved. You have to understand what so is. I did a series on so. God did not love the world. He so loved the world. When he tells us not to love the world, neither the things that are in the world, he's telling us we can only so love the world. We can only so love. So is an adverb. Now, adverbs tell how, when, where, and sometimes why. Sometimes why. This word so is modifying this adverb, this verb. Adverbs modify verbs, adjectives. and other adverbs. This word so is the word huto. O-U-T-O. There's a diacritical mark there. That is an H breathing sound. Huto. And it means how or in what fashion God loved. To alter, to modify means to, it modifies verbs, adjectives, other adverbs. This word so modifies, or a word for modify means to alter. It alters, It alters the word loved. When people say God loved everybody in the world, I was walking to a public supermarket a couple of days ago. I had on a shirt that said God does not love everybody. (laughs) And a guy walking by me, he said, that's a stupid shirt. (laughs) Walked as fast as he could. I I didn't know what to do with him. He just walked real fast. That's a stupid shirt. I just turned and said, you're ignorant. But I don't know if he could hear me. Just, God does not love everybody, so modifies loved 
it alters the word loved, and that word loved is the verb form, verb form of agape. So it modifies or alters agape, and agape is walking in the commandments of God. The best definition of agape is Second John six. Walk in the commandments. Second John six says this is agape, or agape equals equals walking in the commandments of God. This is agape that we walk after His commandments. Now, I keep saying the commandments of God are more than the Ten Commandments. Every imperative mood that Jesus uses in the Greek text is... Every imperative mood is a commandment from God. And he was the I am God in the beginning. He said he was. The Bible says in John 1 and 1, In the beginning was the Word... The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by Him, speaking of the Word. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So the Word that made all things was Jesus. The Word, and every time that made all things, was Jesus. And every time that that uh, Ezekiel or Jeremiah, any of these guys would say, the word came unto me saying, that is Jesus pre-incarnate before he came in the flesh, the word came saying, that's Jesus. When the Bible says, there in John the first chapter, no man hath seen God at any time. No man hath seen. You have to know what the, I'll get it in a minute. You'll have to know what the context is. The context is God the Father. And yet Jesus would turn around and say, if you've seen me there in John 14, you've seen the Father. He's talking about the works of the Father because in Christ is manifested everything that is righteous. is manifested the works of the Father. The Father is a spirit. No man has seen God the Father, but God is the word theos in the Greek, and it means a judge or magistrate. Nobody has seen God the Father. He's a spirit. But we've seen Jesus, and he said he is the I am God of the Old Testament. You try to understand the Trinity, and you never will. The Trinity is wrapped up in three persons that manifest themselves, three persons manifest themselves as one God. And I keep saying this. The Trinity is not God, 
the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. There's one God. This is how the Trinity is. God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Three, one God, three persons, one Theos. These three agree in one, and Theos is the word judge or magistrate. So one God manifests himself. There are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Spirit, First John 5 and 7. I believe that. I can't figure it out, but I believe that. That's what the Bible says. How can God manifest himself as three persons with one judgment? They all judge the same thing. They say the same thing. So this would be the Trinity here, not this. This would be three gods up here. There's one God, three persons saying the exact same thing. They never disagree. I and my Father, one Jesus said, these three agree in one. Now, so God doesn't love all the world. It says he so loved. What does he mean by so? Or in this same fashion. What does he mean when he said that? For God so loved the world. He's talking about over in the book of Numbers when look at Numbers 21 first of all before we go to Numbers 21 look at verse 14 of this same chapter John 3 and as Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness even so must the son of man be lifted up and he said if I be lifted up I'll draw all men all men unto me that doesn't mean every individual, all men. It's the word pos, anthropos, A-N-T-H-R-O-P-O-S. When we study anthropology, we study the science of man. Pos is all. It's masculine gender singular. And what God means, I'll draw Men of every nation and tongue and tribe, I'll bring white men, black men, red men, yellow men, and brown men unto me. And the Jews said, Synecdoche, Synecdoche means a part of something is the whole of something. So if one white man, one black man, one red man, one yellow man, one brown man was saved, all men would be saved. That's why he keeps telling Timothy, I would have all men be saved, and all men will be saved, but not every individual. So, now, let's go back. What does he mean for God so loved? So has to be referring to something that God is going to save like he did these other people. Well, when you go back to Numbers 21... Numbers 21. This is what it's referring to as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. That's the same way 
God will so love the world, or in this fashion, love the world. Look here. Numbers 21. All right. And let's read here a little bit of this chapter. Numbers 21. When the king Arid, the Canaanite, which dwelt in the south, heard tell that Israel came by the way of the spies that fought against Israel and took some of them prisoners, and Israel vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou wilt indeed deliver this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy these cities of these of these Canaanites. And the Lord hearkened unto the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites, and they utterly destroyed them in their cities, and he performed the name of the place Hormah. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. This is about John 3.16. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. That is an Old Testament word, direct, it's equivalent in the Septuagint of our word hodos. Because the difficulty was so hodos or direct. Direct, we get our word direction from that. And any time you see in the Old Testament direct, when they translated the Septuagint, they would translate it hodos. And narrow hodos is the way. Narrow thalebo means tribulation. That's the way that leads to life. And nobody willingly is going to get into the narrow way. God has to convict your heart to be willing to go through tribulation and to believe God and ignore all the opposition around you. And the people spake against God and against Moses because of the difficulty out there in the desert trying to battle all the elements of the desert, the heat, and their enemies. Wherefore have you brought us out of the Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread, this manna that we get every morning. We're tired of it. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people. And much people of Israel died. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned. Well, he's saying that John 3.16 is God so loved, or in the same manner, he saved the people in 14, which is a reference back to the 21st chapter. How does he save these people that are being bitten by these serpents? We'll watch and we'll see. And we have sinned. First of all, you have to say we have sinned. For we have spoken against the Lord and against thee, praying to the Lord that he take away the serpents for us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole. That's the very image of the doctors in America when you see a serpent on a pole and you see that that has to do with doctors don't you it's a serpent on a pole you see it all the medical papers you see it everywhere that's the cure and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten when he looks upon the serpent on the pole he shall live 
Charles Spurgeon said, this is the verse that converted him. He said, all you have to do is look to Christ and you live. That's how that man was saved in John 3.16. For God in this same fashion loved the world. He didn't love everybody, but the same fashion that he saved Israel in the wilderness, everyone that looks, lives. Who's going to look? The ones that have a seeing eye and a hearing ear is going to say, we have sinned, and they're going to look and live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. And now let's go back over to John 3.16. John 3.16 is about Numbers 21. You have to read Numbers. It's not just whosoever will might come, whosoever will. No. Whoever looks lives. But in order to see, you have to be given a seeing eye and a hearing ear, don't you? That's why we keep looking. We've been bitten by sin and we feel the pains of sin, but we know that God can cure us of our sin. And you'll be wrestling with it and you'll be saying, I'm such a sinner. God will probably send me to hell one day. But you won't go if you believe you you belong there and that's where you should go. God has let me see the darkness of my heart. God's revealed himself to me. Now, let's go back over there to John 3.16. For God in this same fashion loved, or he put a limit on his love to the world. The word world is the word cosmos. It's actually cosmon. It's actually cosmon. It's, when you look it up in the, in the Strong's, it'll say cosmos. But you've got nominative case, genitive, dative, and accusative case. It's in the accusative case, which is the direct object. And the direct object, it's spelled K-O-S-M-O-N. In the interlinear Bible, and in in an analytical lexicon, you look it up, it's K-O-S-M-O-N. It's the word ending is changed because it's a direct object. It receives the action of the verb loved. So God didn't love everybody in the world. He so loved the same way he loved those that looked, lived in the wilderness in Numbers, the 21st chapter. That's what John 3.16 is about. It doesn't stand alone. But you can't tell this to people. You tell them, God only conditioned his love. And without the word so, you won't have John 3.16. So is everything. For God in the same fashion he saved the people in the wilderness, that's how he saves you and I. Those of us that look live, but we won't look without the seeing eye and the hearing ear. Will we? And he doesn't say whosoever believeth. It says pos... This is what it says. All the whole masculine gender singular masculine gender singular masculine gender singular all the believing. It actually says 
all the believing cosmos, all the believing world. <clears throat> I'll go into that later. Now, John 3.16 doesn't say God loved everybody. It says, in the same fashion they were saved in the wilderness, that's the fashion that God will save the world, the ones, the world that, the ones that look, live. But you won't look if you don't have a seeing eye and a hearing ear. And if you have a seeing eye, you'll realize you've been snake bitten. What's well, amazing to me, I did a tape on this years ago. I said, God doesn't love everybody in the world. And he didn't, especially the snakes. He didn't love the snakes. The snakes are a picture of the unbelievers. They're biting us with their poisonous, and we their poison. If we look to Christ, we live. I don't know how why they people can. God loved everybody in the world. John three sixteen says that it does not. It says he so loved, and so puts condition on the word loved. And when people say that, next time they say God loved everybody in the world. I'm going to take them over here to Hebrews 12. Go to Hebrews 12. Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Now, this is what the Bible says. <clears throat> Hebrews 12. Next time somebody says, Well, God loved everybody. I'm going to say, well, does he love you? If he loves you, here's what he's going to do to you. Verse 6. Whom the Lord loveth, that's the verb form of agape. Agapao is the verb form. I'm going to ask the person next time, agapao. If God loves you, here's what he's going to do to you. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourges every son he receives. That word receive is the word dekomai. He has to receive you. You cannot receive him. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The natural man, the sukikos, P-S-U-C-H-I-K-O-S, the man of the senses, the sensual man, this man of this body does not receive spiritual things. He receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, their foolishness to a man that's dead in his sin. He does not decomai. Same word. God has to do the receiving. You cannot receive. Deck is the word ten in the Greek. Decade is ten years, and decomai means to reach out the ten fingers and accept something that's been presented. God has to accept us as sinners. Just simply, he picks us out, he chooses us, and says, Now I'm going to work on you that you'll be holy and without blame, and this is going to take me a lifetime to deal with you. And... Has anybody here been dealt with through trial and tribulation and persecution? We all have been, haven't we? God has put me right at death's door several times. And the last time I threw my hands in there and said, I surrender, Lord. 
from now on, I'm not going to try to be famous anymore. I'm not going to be try to be rich anymore. I'm just going to work for you and teach. And I was just had a little small group in my house. I wasn't on TV in 250 towns and cities back then. I just had a little class in my house, and I didn't know. And I was very sick for the following 10 or 12 years when I got out of the hospital. That's the sickest I believe a man can be without dying. My heart wasn't any, my heart attack wasn't anything close to that. Nothing I've been through was close to that. Now, God had his people picked out before the foundation of the world. If he died for his family before the foundation of the world, the Bible says our names were written in the book of life before the foundation of the world. That means the people... If our names were written, if every man's name that he's going to save was written in the book of life before the foundation of the world, that God had to know who they were, didn't he? To call them out of their sin. I never did think that I'd get to a place where I lived godly. I thought living godly was 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 something that was hypocritical when I was young. I think we've had people here have gotten mad and left the ministry and they would see me living the way I live and they would say, nobody can live that way. And the reason they would say that is because they knew they couldn't. Nobody can live what Jim Brown looks like he's living. I'm living different than I was 25, 30 years ago. Not the same man. I'm not bragging. I'm saying God has really revealed to me my sin. And how bad my sin was. I'm not going to discuss it with you. Because I'm ashamed of my past. And so should you be. Until God reveals to you. How, what a sinner you are. And makes you ashamed. To even talk about your past. I don't want to discuss it. He's made me know who I am. And who he is. When he shines that light in your heart. It's not like you feel light and you feel good. You feel like a rascal when he opens. says, here's who you are, Jim Brown. Watch this. He shines the light in and just shines the light all over your sin is what he does. Anybody who's not willing to admit their sin is not a believer. You have to have, let me see here. I believe there's a verse over here in 1 Corinthians, the second chapter. Maybe there's a verse here. All right. Something I haven't read in a while. He says in verse 7, We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom. What is a hidden wisdom? That's who God is when he reveals himself to whomsoever he will. Even the hidden mystery, the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Ordained before is the word prohorizo. Prohorizo is the word predestinate in Romans 8.29. Prohorizo. And it, the revelation to us about who we are, when God shines his light in your heart, 
you start thinking, I'm such a sinner, there's no way he'll save me and take me to heaven. When you realize how bad your sin is, that's proof that you belong to God. Because he doesn't reveal that to sinners who say, I'm a pretty good guy. I will get into heaven. I know I drink a little and cuss a little and run around a little, but God knows I'm a pretty good guy at heart. Did you know all serial killers think they're pretty good guys? Ever watched him on the ID channel? I said, I'm a pretty good guy. I don't really want to hurt anybody. I know I killed 10 in your family, but I didn't really mean all that. Yes, you did. You don't know who you are. God has to show you who you are. There's no temptation taking one man such as is common to all men. You mean, I've got the same thing in me that that these serial killers have, if God will pull his restraining hand off of you and tell you to go at it, you'll do the same thing. You'll do what Ted Bundy did. You'll do what any of these other guys that were serial killers. They're not different than we are. God had just pulled us back from our sin and said, I'm going to let you go to a certain amount of sin, and then I'm going to shine the light on you and let you see it. That's right. But men who don't, it's never been revealed to them. They can't see that. That's right. Sin is they're sin. sin yeah, that's right. A lot of people think, well, I, I just tell a little, a little lie from time to time. Not a big one. Well, that'll be enough to send you to hell. Those of us, he really wants to get a hold of our hearts. He'll let us go in the depths of sin just like Paul did, just like David did. And he'll open up our hearts and say, here's what you did. We sit there in our shame and say, oh, God, forgive me. Now, let me read some more of this. Which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. As it is written, I had not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them to us. Revealed. Apocalypto. He's revealed to us. He hath revealed. Past tense verb. He's already revealed to us by his spirit, by his truth, when he wrote it in our hearts. For yea, the deep things of God. That word deep, bathos. Remember that word. Bathos. That's a part of the word bottomless pit. Bottomless pit is the word abathizoa. A or B B U S S O S, abusos or abyss, and it comes from bathos and the alpha primitive, which negates the word. Bathos means deep, or intelligent, or knowledge. That's why bottomless pit is such a stupid word, because it means a place of no knowledge. Only Israel had the knowledge of God. Nobody else in the Mediterranean area. No, none of the beast had God's knowledge. And he's revealed it to us just like he revealed it to Israel. He's revealed these things to us. The entire Mediterranean Sea, all the Mediterranean Sea, all the way to the, to the 
rock of Gibraltar, the Strait of Gibraltar. Nobody had the truth except Israel until Acts 2. And that's the all man. There's going to be a certain number of people out of the all men of the world. There's going to be a certain number of red, yellow, white, black, and brown men that are going to be saved. And they're going to be the elect and God's going to open their heart. But everybody's not going to heaven like they say on TV. Well, somebody said on one of those goofy shows on the ID channel, this girl was partying in bars and and she's running around all these different men and sleeping with all of them. And one of them took her out and killed her. And then her mother said, well, one thing we know that when we get to heaven, she'll be there. What makes you think she went to heaven just because she's pretty? Crazy way people think, isn't it? I saw one night a guy had killed his wife and kids and put them under a concrete slab in his backyard. And he said, well, I'll see him again when I get to heaven. (laughs) Crazy. What do these people get? They're going to heaven. And people in the world think everybody's going to heaven when they die, don't they? Everybody's not going to heaven. You're going to hell without repentance. Now, that's it. The Bible says, whosoever believes, it doesn't say whosoever believes in him, it says, pas, ho, the, all, believing. P, I S T E U or U O N. The believing all are the ones that are going to have eternal life. It actually says the believing all cosmon. The believing all arrangement of God because the word world means orderly arrangement. The believing all of the cosmon, of the world that has been chosen by God are going to go to heaven now. And as soon as you give them these verses and these words, they'll say, people just are goofy. They'll say, well, God's not willing that any should perish. doesn't say that in the Greek text. Go back to Second Peter 3. And in this study, I've got to bring this out. It's just the way it is. Second Peter 3. Second Peter 3. And in order to... I'm going to read the verse that everybody says this from. Then I'm going to explain it. Okay? Read the verse. Verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us who are not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That doesn't say that God's not willing that anybody should perish and go to hell. doesn't say that. Not in the original text. Now, what you have to do is read the chapter back up here in verse 1 this second epistle beloved 
I now write unto you, and both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this, first of all, that there shall come in the last days scoffers. Now we have to define scoffers and what they're saying as scoffers. That there'll come scoffers in the last days. Well, we're in the last days. What does the Bible say there in Acts, the second chapter? This is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. That in the last days, this would happen. Uh, God would pour out of his spirit on all flesh, red, yellow, white, black, and brown flesh. And he's going to use these dialects to spread his truth to the all men, the all flesh, or the Gentiles. Now, that scoffers will come in the last days. The word scoffer is the word impizo, E-M-P-I-I-Z-O. This people that are deriding us. To deride means to put down, to blaspheme. It means to jeer at. These people are jeering at us, making fun of us, putting us down. Scoffers will come in the last days, and they're going to say, now you've got to keep this in mind, where is the promise of his coming? Where is this euangelizo, euangelia? You... This is the word promise. And they're going to say, where is the promise taking place? Where is the promise taking place? Where is the U A G G? E-L-I-O-N, euangelion. Where is this U, angelos, A-G-G-E-L-O-S? The word angelos is the word angel, and it means messenger. Now let me... Let me finish this up here. Where's the euangelion? This is really amazing because the word euangelion is the same word as evangelism. Euangelism. The word euangelizo... uh, are you angle U A G G E L I A E L L I is the word well message or the good message or the gospel. You might as well say they were saying, Where is the gospel being preached? That's what they might as well say. Where is this promise 
of his coming? That's their question. When you get down to verse 9, it's going to, add, it's going to address this promise. Where's this promise of his coming? And then they start making excuses for Christ saying he was coming back. For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. They're saying at the end of time, everything continue it always has. Uh, there hasn't been anything happening. And Jesus may have promised you believers that, but he's not coming back for you. And the Bible says, for this they willingly are ignorant of. So when they say, where is this promise taking place? You don't have any hope of your Savior. And they're willingly ignorant of the fact that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth was staying out of the water and into water. They don't continue as they were from the beginning. There was a flood. He said he was coming back and destroying the world then and he's going to come back and destroy the world at the end. Whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water and perished. But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store for this promise, this ending of all things, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly man. But beloved, he's not talking to the scoffers, is he? He's talking to the beloved the ones the scoffers are making fun of. Beloved is the word agapatos. Agapatos is a form of agape. Those that God loves is what he's talking to. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. It's only been two days since he's been here. In fact, look at look at Psalms 90 and 4. Look at that real quick and we'll come right back here. Psalms 90. Psalms 90. And verse... For a thousand years in thy sight are but yesterday when it is past and as a watch in the night. So it's only been two days since he's been here. They're talking like it's been a long time. It's been all these hundreds of years, thousands of years. Well, it is the Lord's a thousand years, a thousand years is one day. And then we answer the scoffers in verse 9. And he's going to refer back to verse 4 when they said, where's this promise of Christ coming happening? And then the Bible says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. You scoffers, we're talking to you. We're answering you scoffers from verse from verse 4. You say, where's this promise? The Lord's not slack concerning his promise. When some men count slackness, but he's long-suffering, macrothumia, He's given us the ability to put up with these things for a long time. Macro, long, thumos. To suffer a long time. Suffer means to put up with. But his long-suffering to usward, 
not willing that any of us should perish. In the interlinear Bible, it says us. Now, there has to be, for every pronoun, when you look in the interlinear Bible, the men who translated it were better than the King James translators. They say it says, not willing that any of us should perish. Any is a pronoun. Every pronoun has an antecedent. The antecedent is the noun or pronoun it refers back to. Any refers back to us. That's called the antecedent. The antecedent of any is us. And we answer the scoffers and say, Scoffers, you say he's not coming back and where is his promise taking place? He's not slack concerning his promise. Concerning us, he's not willing that any of us should perish. But all of us should come to repentance. And all of us will. Because Jesus said, All that the Father giveth me, John six thirty seven, shall come to me. And he that cometh to me, I will no wise cast out. Can you see that? That's what it says. It doesn't say God's not willing that any of the scoffers should perish. If God's not willing that any should perish, he's got a contradiction in the word of God because in Romans 9.22, the Bible says, God's willing. God's willing. It says God willing to show his wrath. It doesn't say his wrath. It says the te or gay. People want to know why does God let this go on? God is willing, Thelema. It is God's purpose for men's feminine wrath, or gay is the wrath of covetousness. Why does he want to do that? He says at the end of this verse. God willing to show the wrath of mankind, willing to show the wrath according to his, make his, he wants to make his power known. He put up with these vessels of wrath, fitted, catortidzo, fully accomplished for destruction. That Romans 9.22 is not just saying God willing to show his wrath. It's not. It actually says te or gay mu. Mu means of me. This wrath of mankind is of me. God wants to show the evil of men's heart that are vessel of wrath fitted to destruction so it can make his power known. That's why he's going to send people to hell. Right here it tells you why he's sending them to hell so he can make his power known. And he wants to show the wrath of mankind so he can destroy all those that he don't convert. All those he didn't with hearing ears. You and I wouldn't 
pulled a man out of hell if hell was just inside that door over there. We'd open the door and we could see people screaming and yelling and 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 we'd pull them out. But God won't because he wants to make his power known. He endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. They were fully accomplished. If God's not willing that any should perish, that would be a contradictory verse. It would be a contradictory verse in Second Peter two and twelve, three and twelve, that these as natural brute beasts were made to be taken and destroyed. That's the majority of the world. Made is the word Ganea, G E N E A, and Ganea means born. Comes the word Ganesis, G E N N E S I S, which is the word nativity, and we get the word gene from that. They were born. To be destroyed. If God didn't want anybody to perish, then they were born to be destroyed. Can you see that? They were made to be taken and destroyed. So, God didn't love everybody in the world. He only loved a certain few. And when people want to argue with you about that, God loved everybody. John 3.16 says it. No, it does not. It doesn't say God loved everybody. It said He so loved referring back to 14 which refers back to numbers 21 those that looked lived you have to be looking to Christ in order to live how much time do I have Mike huh 12 so God does not love everybody in fact God hates most people he hates everybody that he sent into hell which is most of the world and this right here said he's fitted him to destruction. If if he wants everybody saved and he doesn't want anybody to perish, that's what you hear all these Baptists say. That's what Jerry Falwell used to say. We're going to win the world for Christ. How are you going to do that, Jerry, when the majority of the world is going to hell? Only a few are going to find the narrow way. That always boggled my mind. Jerry Falwell would say, we're going to win the world for Christ. You can't win the world. Only a few will hear. Straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life. And only a few will find it. You have to want the narrow way. Narrow, thalibo. It comes to the word thalipsis. That's a verb. Here's the noun, T-H-L-I-P-S-I-S. And thalipsis is the common word tribulation everywhere you find it in the Bible. You have to want to go to heaven bad enough to suffer tribulation. That's how you bad you got to want heaven. I don't care if people throw rocks at me and throw stones at me. God has bidden them to throw stones for how dark my heart has been. God has to open up your heart and realize how dark your heart is. And when you realize how dark and wicked your heart is, He only does that to His elect. Has anybody felt like your heart was dark? I know Dave tells me that all the time. Well, that's good. If you think your heart is good, it's not. Every time he says that, I say, that's good. That's, um, that means you're one of God's. But he thinks he's by himself. Is he by himself? No. <laughs> I know he's not. I know you're not. I talk to Dave a lot. I'm close to him. I see him all the time because he works for the ministry. I see Mike all the time. 
David's always talking about how wicked his heart is. Well, that means you're a believer. Because you're seeing who you are and who God is. And as we live, he more and more, God will teach us how to live. So, 3 and 9, this amazes me. God's not willing that any of us should perish, but that all of us should come to repentance. If it said God's not willing that anybody in the world should perish, but all the world should come to repentance, that would mean there was a power in the world that's stronger than the will of God. It would mean self-will is stronger than God's will. Wouldn't it? And self-will is not as strong as God's will. We don't have the power to come to God on our own. I gave you some verses in a paper a while back. And that is, it was headed up by 1 Corinthians 2.14 that the natural man does not receive spiritual things. And 3.10-12, through 12, as it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one, there's none that understandeth, and there's nobody that seeks God. They're all gone out of the way. They're altogether become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. That means the best people you know don't do any good. If anything is good in a person, it has to be Christ in them. And if Christ is not in them, they don't do any good. In Psalms 14, 1 through 3, The fool has said in heart, his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have gone, done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there was any that did understand and seek God. They're all going to side. They're all together become filthy, and there's none that doeth good. No, not one. That includes you and me. If you're ever doing any good, it'll have to be Christ in you, a new birth in you. And you won't be doing it for self-attention. You'll be doing it because it's your obligation to do it. That's why. That's why it says strive to enter in. Strive agonizomai. Agonizomai means to agonize over this outer man that wants to go off and do sin. And if you get old enough, God will nearly kill all that off in you. He won't kill all of it off, but he'll nearly. When you get old, like me, you won't want to do the sin you wanted to do at 40 or you absolutely want to do, don't want to do the sin you did at 30. Man, I wouldn't go back and be me for a billion dollars. I wouldn't be me and live those years over again. I hate the years that I lived in myself, living for money and attention. God delivered me from that. And you can't clean yourself up with your will. You don't have will in your heart. To do anything right. Job 15, 14 through 17. What is man that he should be clean? And he which is born of woman that he should be righteous? Behold, God doesn't put any trust in his saints. You know what that means? He's not going to trust you to come to him and birth yourself. And trust you to do right. He's not going to trust you. He's going to deal with you and give you a hard time. And until he causes you to believe him and quit believing yourself. That's all man does. I notice when I try to talk to people about the Bible, I only do it because I feel an obligation to God because I love the Word. I don't do it to show off. 
And I've been accused in doctor's offices. You're just trying to show how much you know. No, I really love the Word of God, don't you? And you can't tell people information without them resenting it in public. Have y'all noticed that? They'll they'll try to get one up on you, try to add to your conversation. Yeah, but the Bible says this and this over here, and they just get way off base. Have y'all ever witnessed somebody and they do that? They want to contribute to the conversation, and they never have studied their Bible. Well, here's the way I look at it. The way you look at it don't mean anything. Let me read a couple more of these. Paul said, he said it best. I know that in me, there in Romans seven eighteen, that in my fl- that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, and how to perform that which is good, I can't find in me. That word perform is the word katergazomai. K-A-T-E-R-G-A-Z-O-M-A-I. Katergazomai means to fully accomplish. Paul said, I don't know how to do right. But he turns around and tells the Philippians. Philippians 2.13 or 2.12. He tells them in 2.12, work out your own salvation your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out is this word katergazomai that he says he can't do. He says, I can't katergazomai. And he uses work out as one word in the Greek. It's the word katergazomai. He says, I don't know how to work it out, but I'm commanding you to work it out. Why would he do that? The word work out in Philippians 2.12 is an imperative command from God. It's something you have to do. He says you have to do it and God will have to command me to do it because I can't do it in this. He says how to perform that which is good in my flesh, I don't find. Self can't do that. And then he turns around and commands the Philippians, work it out. the, The... Church of Christ likes to say, well, you work it out your way and I work it out my way. No, 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 no. That's command. Katogajamai, perform fully. I'm performing Christ in my life now. You say, Jim, is that a boast? No. If you don't recognize when you're performing His will, you won't recognize when you're not performing it, will you? And you know when you're not performing it, don't you? Well, if you know when you're not performing it, God's going to make you aware that you're not performing it, and He's going to work on you till you know when you're performing it. I used to think performing Christ's work in my life was going to be a dread and a misery to me. I had to get older to find out it's the only way to live. I don't care who I make angry. I point things out to people. I just say, that's not right. Here's what the Bible says. If you learn to be blunt, far easier with your words, people will begin to respect you. They won't. 
if you're always kind of shading things and trying to please people and make them happy with your answers, don't do that. Make them where they're real skeptical around you. I better not say that around Dave because he'll correct me on it. And they'll get to where they respect you for your stand. Everybody knows where I stand. Everybody at the grocery store knows where I stand. My doctors know where I stand. My dentist knows where I stand. I was at the orthodontist the other day. I said, you really believe the words on this shirt just the other day? He said, yeah, I really do. I said, why don't you come and visit us sometime? And I found out where he stood. He said, well, I go to another parish. <laughs> yeah, He must have been a Catholic or an Episcopalian. He said, well, I'm committed to another parish. I thought he really believed it, but I don't think he does. He just liked the words that I was being plain with. Patient. Huh? You're patient. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Am I out of time, Mike? Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to come back next week, and we're going to continue on this thing of predestination and the and the all men... The all men is the Gentiles coming to the light. And that is the all of John 3.16. That the all believe that the believing all will have everlasting life. There's no invitation in John 3.16. Whosoever will sounds like an invitation. That's a terrible translation. I don't care what Greek professor says. You can say what you want to. It's the believing all shall have everlasting life. It's a particular all. It's the same all. John six thirty seven. All, pos, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And there's not going to be any question. And if you come to Christ, you'll come in obedience. You won't come walking down an aisle. Say, well, I joined that church and got baptized. That's not coming to Christ. When you come to Christ, you'll come to him, you'll bow to him and say, Lord, what will you have me to do? That was Paul's answer on the road to Damascus when God struck him down. He said, what will you have me to do? And that's how you'll come to him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. Help us understand these confusing words of the preachers are wrong because you're commanding your elect, your predestinated family to come. God, thank you for this truth. We know when we're convicted by it, we're one of yours. Deal with our hearts. Crush us on your hand. We'll praise you for everything. In Christ's name we pray, man. Okay. All right. Holly, I got something for you.